to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Hello, welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. I'm your host, Andrew Laws, and I'm a human. And today I'm very pleased to say I have another human on the podcast with me. Fellow human, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. Hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I'm Amanda from Dragon Virtual Assistance. And um, in the last few years, I've been specialising in marketing support for small businesses. Fantastic. Now, I'm a huge fan of VAs. So, you know, I naturally kind of wanted to speak to you for the podcast. Um, I use a VA myself and, oh, my goodness, I don't know why everybody doesn't use one. But when I got to know you, sorry, go on. I said me either. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Very good. Um, Now, when I first kind of started speaking to you, it became apparent that you have a particular skill and a particular area that, that you're very good at. And that's what I'd like to discuss today. So that area is email marketing. So um, that's that's going to be the topic. Now, to kick us off, just before we started recording, you were telling me about an article you spotted in on the TechSpot website. Would you like to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, actually, going back slightly further back, the week before last, I did a talk at a networking meeting about um, the importance of email marketing. One of the points that I made to people was what, what you know, you, you're wholly dependent upon your Facebook group. What would happen if Facebook disappeared? And then last week, I spotted an article in techspot.com that said that um, the, the meta group, so Facebook and Instagram, is now in talks with um, the powers that be in Europe. And I'm sorry, I can't remember specifically who they're in talks with about the fact that Europe are not happy with their data storage policies Um, And if they can't come to a resolution, Facebook and Instagram might be forced to withdraw from the European market. Wow. Now, to listeners, that might sound fairly wild. Yes. But I've been involved in digital marketing and SEO for well over 20 years. And stranger things have happened. I'm sure I must have had conversations with people around 2002-ish who were basing all their marketing on MySpace. And those people learned, unfortunately, that no matter how big a platform is, it can either go away or just diminish. I used to, I used to market my music on mp3.com and that more or less switched off overnight. So, so I guess we're talking about the importance of not having all your eggs in one basket, not relying on one channel for all your leads. There's that and also the importance of not relying on something that somebody else owns. Right. So with an email list, uh, the... Yeah. Kind of um, the cliche, although it's a true one, is that if you don't own the data, you don't own the leads. Is is that too extreme, or would you agree with that? No, no, I I, I completely agree. Um, I I think that you you should you should market everywhere. You should post to Facebook and Instagram and use LinkedIn and make the use of everything that's out there. But send everybody always back to something you own. So market your lead magnets, market your email marketing list, market your website. Okay, brilliant. Now, on this podcast, I like to try and unpick any kind of industry words, um, any kind of buzzwords. People who listen to this are doing a similar job to us, so they're involved in digital marketing. But we also kind of make this podcast for people who are new to this world. So you, you mentioned a phrase there, lead magnet. Could you explain what a lead magnet is, please? I, I can by uh, going so going slightly back to about 2017 when GDPR was brought in 
um, as a, a regulation for managing people's data in the United Kingdom. Uh, one of the things that we were told we couldn't do was just add people to mailing lists without their permission. Um, and I think that's that's very true, because if you start going around randomly adding people to your list, you've not got people that have chosen to hear from you. So if you create lead magnets, which can be tip sheets about things that you can do and run you know, three-day challenges, you see those all over Facebook all the time. Why are people giving away a three-day challenge for nothing and giving away other knowledge? Because they want to collect your email addresses. And you'll find after the three-day challenge that you'll get an email with an upsell. Absolutely. And the, one of the things I like about owning the email addresses is that you you have the opportunity to build a proper relationship with somebody. And in my experience, people buy from people. They don't necessarily buy from machines or or you know, just because they're they're on a large list. And the GDPR thing was huge in our world. It felt like the only conversation I had for about a year and a half. But I, I always believed for, before then that you shouldn't just add people to the list. I quite liked it when emailing systems like MailChimp charge by how many people you have on the list, because then I can say to people, look, you've got 1,000 people on your list, for example, or 10,000, and you don't know who 8,000 of them are. This is conversations I had to have with some people. So why are they there? They're costing you money, and you don't actually know if they're interested or not, because not everybody will unsubscribe as soon as they get something they don't want. And I think it's it's a bit like if you had added people to a mailing list without their permission, then it's a bit like being a fruit seller at a market, just yelling about your stuff. You, you don't really know whether anybody actually wants it. So other than owning the list, other than actually kind of holding the data yourself, and you know, in my recommendations to have a backup on a spreadsheet or just something that's not on a website, um, in addition to actually owning the data and being somewhat independent from a system like Facebook or, or Instagram um, or whatever, what other advantages are there to, to making the effort to run a mailing list? Okay, so I, I checked some stats earlier. 61% um, of people in business prefer to hear from, about things through email. 99% oh. of email users check their email at least daily. At least, wow! At least. I, thought, I, mean, I, I don't know about you, but I know how often I check what's coming into my inbox. Absolutely, and it's more than once a day. Uh, and a, one every pound spent on email marketing has a return on investment of about forty-two pounds. See, that's the key one for me because with Facebook and Instagram, and I mean a lot of other digital marketing channels, you know, other ways of marketing to people, measuring your success can be quite challenging. So, for example, you, know, you can see how many times your, your post has been viewed. You can see how many times, you know, how many people are following you. But it doesn't necessarily go much deeper than that, with, whereas with an email list, you can test in other ways. Um, what, what, sort of, what sort of testing would you recommend? If you've got your 10,000 people or whatever, and you want to know whether you're doing the right thing, whether it's converting, whether people are buying from you, what are some of the indicators, some of the tests you can do? Um, so so the, the open rate has always been a good indicator although the ios 14 update has now made it harder to read the open rates um and and also link clicks so if there's links in your emails most of the dashboards on the email marketing platforms will tell you how many what percentage of people have clicked your links 
And if you're selling a product, so for example, one of my clients sells cookies. And once a month, I know, so exciting. (laughs) Once a month, we send out an email telling them what she's been doing, what she's doing next, launching any new collections. And she can tell me within a week afterwards how many extra sales she actually saw from that email going out. So knowledge is power, especially when making marketing decisions. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know that MailChimp, for example, this isn't something I've done. I'll be completely transparent with you. Email marketing isn't something I spent a lot of time doing because I'm an SEO person. But I know that MailChimp, you can connect it up to e-commerce systems. I'm not sure which ones, but I imagine... Oh, I connected somebody's MailChimp to a WooCommerce system this morning on their website. Oh, just this morning. So, so this morning, you... I was just doing that this morning, yes. So I'm going to make an assumption here. If you send out an email message to your list, and will MailChimp show you how much money that actually made you? Does it give you a figure? I know we can see the the, the link. Yeah, no. The, so the, the so the package that I use the most often is actually MailerLite, um, and I know that on MailerLite's dashboard, if you've set up your WooCommerce integration, it will show you an actual figure, a percentage of people that clicked, and an actual figure that you made from any links in your email. See that that's pretty exciting. Um, I ought to just just kind of um, untangle a couple of. A couple of industry words that slipped by us then we talked about an ios update this is iphone users now have the option to mask more of their activity which is causing a difficulty in the industry but ultimately i think anything that reassures people that their data is private is is a good thing especially if, if you can show that transparency in your messaging um now woocommerce we mentioned that and just to untangle that woocommerce is uh, essentially an, an online shop yeah. plugin that you can add to a WordPress website. So I just want to just untangle yeah. those. Yeah, that's fine. I understand. Because when you're dealing with them all the time, you just get used to to saying them. They're just the thing, aren't they? <laughs> there, there is a large chunk of my vocabulary that didn't exist 20 years ago. <laughs> it's just it's ever, ever evolving, which is why I kind of try and, try and untangle it for the listeners. Okay, so we can figure out what people are how much money they're spending if you're connected to an e-commerce or an online store platform we can tell which links are clicked where else can we learn by looking at the statistics when an email campaign's gone out well you, you can see who's unsubscribed which i'm never sad about because i think if they're not engaged you know as you mentioned earlier you're paying per user if they're not engaged and they don't want to hear about you and they unsubscribe that's good that your list's cleaning itself <laughs> Well, absolutely. I read an article probably a while ago now, and it was recommending that you should look at your email list. And if someone hasn't read, opened or clicked on one of your emails for three months, you should remove them. That seems pretty harsh to me. What's your opinion on that? I would go for six months. Oh, right. right. So you'll do it. Yes. Um, Both MailChimp and MailerLite actually have just a little button on the dashboard. You can just remove them. But you can also run one last little campaign that targets that segment and say, I've noticed you've not opened anything for six months. Do you want to leave? Right. So you used a, a lovely word there, which is one of my favourite words around email marketing, and that's segment. What yeah. is a segment? Okay. So you, you've got your big long list of 10,000 people, for example. And some thousand of those opted in from a lead magnet. 
a specific lead magnet, they are a segment. Mm-hmm. And some thousand of them have bought something on your website and ticked the box that said, yes, I'd like to hear more from you. And they are a segment. And then you can go down even deeper. So if they ticked from buying on your website, you might even be able, you'll probably be able to be able to segment them by what they bought. Um, you can segment by what date to like a date period that they arrived on your list. And it means that you can target your marketing even better. Oh, that that's the magic little thing I, I was I was kind of hoping you'd bring up because <laughs> as as much in marketing as we love the stats and we can learn from stats and, and how people react to things, it's that honing into the message. I mean, that's a huge part of SEO. Um, so search engine optimization, you know, we in SEO, we don't just try and get more people to a website, we get the right kind of people. And we do that by segmenting industries, types of people, you know, who do we want to target? But that that's a bit wishy-washy sometimes. Whereas with an email segment, as you were saying, you can you can target people according to, I guess, interests once once they've reacted to something and, and taken an action that you've you've led them towards. Yeah. So I um, suppose if I, if we go back to my my cookie lady example, just because I love her cookies, um, if she had people that bought birthday cookies in a certain month, she could email them twelve months later. And say, I noticed you bought birthday cookies last year. Do you want to buy them again? That's properly cool. <laughs> that that's I really like that because one of the one of the things we battle with email marketing is showing recipients how relevant the messages are to them. So if you are on a huge mailing list and all the messages come out about a particular type of product that you're not interested in then the user disengages and they might unsubscribe. But the more you target messages, in my experience, the more people convert, the more people buy things. So that's I've got a really nice example for that. I um, As a favour to my local pub landlord, I set up an email list for him many years ago. And the pub has two main things it does. It sells beer, like real ales, mm. very particular real ale type beers. But it's also a live music venue. So when they told me they wanted a mailing list, they said, right, we need a mailing list for everyone. And I said, well, the problem with that is that not everybody who joins the mailing list is going to be into live music and beer. So we segmented it into two chunks. We It told us that this many people were into the beer, so we'll tell them about beer. This many people were into live music, so we'll tell them what events are coming up. And some people were into both, so they, they just kind of get everything. But... That that's a crucial thing. I'm really pleased you brought up segmenting. I think it's incredibly powerful. Yes, yes, it's it's just it's really useful tool. I think, I so, possibly. So in terms, I'm trying to think of actually. I I was going to start saying how do we segment people, but I think that might be kind of missing the point. I, I don't I don't think we need to make this a a mechanical kind of how to. I just think it's something that's very much worth worth being aware of. Okay, so we've covered segmenting and lead magnets, so getting people onto your mailing list in the first place, and pruning, do we call it that, taking taking old people off? I, I, my wife's a gardener, so pruning's the first thing that popped into my head. But... No, that, 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 that's fine. Um, I, I just call it cleaning it up, to be honest. Um, I would say I follow a lovely lady on Facebook, and she always just calls it your mailing list doing its own housework. Wow. See, that this is what I love about digital marketing, when it, when it does its own work. <laughs> that, that's yeah. something that's really but, but yes, so so segmenting, targeting, 
getting rid of the people that don't. Particularly when, I mean, so MailChimp had some really big updates in 2020, um, and they used to be the best free platform out there. Um, and obviously, you know, they're in business to make money. So they made some tweaks to what you get for free compared to what you pay for. So now you've got to think much more about how many people are on your list and whether they're engaging with you because you're paying for them much sooner than you used to be. And nobody wants to waste money. No, but it, as you said earlier, it is much more measurable just to compare this to an advertising technique, which is still valid, but not used as much. Something like a newspaper advert. If people you know, paid £1,000 to put an advert in a newspaper, the newspaper can tell you how many people bought a newspaper or how many issues were circulated. But it becomes quite difficult to measure that against how much you spent and how much money you've made from it. Um, even the local paper here in Ipswich, there was a local company who used to advertise on the bottom of the front page. And they did. I mean, from when I was a child... So no one can see this, but I am I am far from being a child <laughs> these days, <laughs> physically. Um, and they stopped. And I can remember thinking, ah, the world is changing now because I don't think any business owner would ever want to spend money without knowing what they're going to get back from it. No, in my, in my early days when I was first in business, I spent a lot of money on an advert in a magazine. And I know exactly what, return on investment I got from that because it was nothing. It, it's a, a familiar tale, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm not here just to kind of dump on, on no, magazines. No, it's, it's, you, you've, I think you've got to make a few mistakes in the beginning and learn from them though, haven't you? So <laughs> It's the same appeal with, with paid advertising on platforms like Google Ads is that you spend money and you see what you get back from it. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool that it's just become something that's expected now. And, and that's, I think that's, that's a very good thing. Hey, sorry for interrupting, but we've got something neat for you. If you want to put some of the things you've heard in the podcast into action, we've created a free workbook for you. It's called Build Your Digital Marketing Battle Plan, and you can download it for free at internetmarketingforhumans.com forward slash battle plan and that battle plan's all one word so internetmarketingforhumans.com forward slash battle plan for your free workbook to take you through seven simple steps to get your digital marketing up to speed and ready for action okay back to the show cheers okay so we've talked about some of the things that people should definitely be taking into consideration when building a mailing list you you've given us some ideas for getting people onto a mailing list. Um, what are some common mistakes you see? Now, obviously, I don't don't expect you to kind of dish the dirt on, on anyone you've worked with. But what, what's a, when somebody starts working with you, what's, what's a fairly common thing when you look at their mailing list and you think to yourself, ah, yep, I can see that missed opportunity again? Um, I have to be honest and say that I don't see missed opportunities I think that the, the sort of mistakes that people make with um when when they're bringing people onto their mailing list possibly is is not to put them into the right group or the, add, add a tag which is what you do in MailChimp so yeah, then later on down the line you can't see where they came from and what they might want to be targeted with um so that's that's kind of I don't know, it's it's, a, it's not a, it's a learning curve. You're excited to get people on your list, and you don't think to 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 note where they came from. <laughs> um, 
But no, I think I think the biggest the biggest problem that people come to me with is that they don't know what to say in an email. Right. That that that's that's really interesting because if you're consistent and if you are emailing out every you know every few days or every few weeks or whatever works for your company then yeah it's entirely understandable that people will run out of ideas what, what do you do in that those kind of circumstances um well if it if they've sort of gone forging ahead and say i'm going to send an email out every single week and they've run out of things to say after six weeks I might suggest that we scale that down to once a fortnight or once a month to give them time to build up things to say. Um, and also to just be themselves. You know, we we get I get I get a lot of corporate emails. I, I I'm signed up to Waterstones because I'm a massive reader. And there's nothing, nothing personal in Waterstones email. It's just a list of what books they've got for sale. But when you're emailing yourself as a small business owner to your list of engaged people, it's okay to talk about taking the cat to the vet. And it's it's okay to say that, you know, last week you planted 200 bulbs in your garden and you can't wait for spring to see what comes up. Because people buy from people and the better they get to know you, the more likely they are to want to do business with you. Or, you know, decide that you're not actually somebody you want to do business. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, you, you might be personal, per, personable and, and sharing your life and somebody might think, oh, that, that does not gel with my values at all. So... Well, I've seen that weed out, um, yeah. weed out people who would never become clients or customers, though. It's on, on LinkedIn, I send out a, a message... To people that's it's a little unusual but it certainly helps people figure out if they want to speak to me you know we, we don't have to sell everything to all the people i think we can develop develop loyal markets and, and loyal clients and customers but we don't have to be everything to everyone um my experience of covid actually the last couple of years when because everyone's i can say gone home you know everyone's um working from home again and a little bit isolated i've noticed a a change in a lot of even corporate messages that they are a lot more friendly now. And I think humanity has become a lot more important. Um, it's, it's a trend trend I'm really pleased to see just because it's nice, but <laughs> it happens, it happens when it's profitable. You know, it's companies don't, don't do these things out of their goodness to their hearts it's because they're measuring their marketing and saying, do you know what? When I did talk about the cat, more people bought stuff. Yeah. My, I mean, my best Facebook post to date is um, a black and white image of my son sitting in A&E waiting to be checked for concussion after a football injury. And that's from several years ago. It's still got the most engagement ever, as all these people that normally just lurk in the background suddenly hopped on and said, oh, I hope he's okay. We're going off off, off path a bit, but on on a... On that note, yes. So so you, you should... Be yourself. You should bring yourself into what you're doing. So if you if you if if you've overcommitted yourself to how often you're going to email out, and you suddenly realise you don't have something to say every week, scale it back and just put a bit of you know. This week I've been doing some decorating, but I still found time to write this blog for you. Hope you like it. I, I've seen that message in my own world. One, one of my clients um, 
has holiday lets. So obviously COVID, his business just stopped. So he was sending out messages to his mailing list showing him which of the properties he was decorating <laughs> with a paintbrush. And yeah. People liked it. People really, really responded to it. And his list grew considerably. I would say and directly. And when they, can, and then they can get back out into the world again, they will want to go to the property that they liked the look of the decor. Mm. They want to go and see it in real life. You know, we saw this guy decorating on the email list. Let's go and have a look at the finished product, hopefully. People love, people love a before and after. I always think that if you're running out of ideas, that, that's a really good one. <laughs> it can be almost anything, but everyone loves a before and after. Okay, cool. So, I mean, we've we've established the importance of, of email lists um, and some ways to get some more benefit from them and, and how to, to use them as a, a very real selling tool. And, I mean, it's it's my opinion that, the return on investment for email is, is huge because they don't, unless you've got 50,000 people, they don't cost a lot of money to maintain. And on most of the platforms, if not all, there's no, you don't get charged per email that you send yeah. out. So it's a so very, very good return. I tend to use don't even start charging till you've got about a thousand users on your list. Well, in that case, there's no financial barrier to start. I was about to say, actually, I will say, how, how, if somebody's listening to this and they don't have an email list, how can they get cracking? How how can they get started? Well, obviously they can ring me, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, the link will be in the in the show notes for this. If you want to speak to Amanda, no, just, just go and go and take a look at um, MailerLite and Mailchimp. Have a look at what you get. Have a look at the dashboard. See which one you feel comfortable with because they're both similar and different. Um, and then start by finding people that want to opt in. So on both of those platforms, you need to look for something that's called an embed form, which is a nice little sign-up box that you get a URL for, and just share that everywhere. Make your sign, Put your sign-up box into your own little brand colours and put your logo on it and grab that URL and share it everywhere that you talk to people all over your social media and say, would you like to sign up to my mailing list? I would love to keep in touch with you. And once that starts to build, even when there's only 10, 15 people on it, start to get into a habit of sending them a little email every so often. So it's, it's a bit like the, the cliche or the, the thing about planting a tree. When's the best time to start an email list? Well, 10 years ago. <laughs> When's the second best time now? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It, it fascinates me. Even though I've dealt with some huge mailing lists over the years, and, and even the very, very large ones started off with one person on them. <laughs> Everybody starts at the same place. Yes. But if, also, if you're in business already, but without an email list, then presumably you've got some paying customers, possibly some repeat customers. Start with them. Make them feel important. Tell them how important they are to you and they're so important to you that you want to keep in touch with them more often. This is something that I think business, some business owners miss. There's such a drive with all marketing and, and you know, even podcasts like this, if I'm honest, about going out and finding new clients and new customers. But it's such a good opportunity if you've already got some clients and customers to, to sell to them. They've already bought once. They they know what you do. They clearly like what they do to what you do to some extent because they've bought something from you once. So that is a cracking bit of advice, Amanda. Right, we're kind of running out of time a little bit here. So is there a final thing you'd like to say, a final little tip or hint? 
Um, I, I think I will go back to what I said in the beginning, which is to keep your important business assets somewhere where you own them. That is a cracker. And I am absolutely on board with that. Don't rely on networks. Even, even if you're on LinkedIn doing well, whatever, build an asset. There's another saying in digital marketing, the money's in the list. And this is exactly what, you're talk, what we're talking about. And listeners, that's exactly what Amanda shared with us. Thank you ever so much for your time, Amanda. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Andrew.